0: this guy goes into the restaurant, obviously he had an attitude problem. Walk right up to the waiter, said, excuse me, Bubba, but I want you to go on the back, you tell that cook, I want a cheeseburger. Not too greasy. Not too dry. But right in the groove. And hey, while you're at it, throw in a large order a french fries, Not too crunchy. Not too soft. But right in the groove. And here, while you're at it, you might as well whip up a chocolate milk shake. not too thick, not too thin, but right in the groove. The man went in the back, talked to the cook, came back out five minutes later, he said, look, the cook said tell you to kiss his behind, not to the left, not to the right, but right in the groove, Now look.
1: Yes, ladies and gentlemen, you are listening to the Double E Podcast. And I am excited to have our next guest on. Comedian, actor, writer, producer. You've seen him in such films as The Long Shots with Ice Cube and Kiki Palmer. You've seen him on Poetic Justice with Janet Jackson and Tupac. He also starred with Eddie Murphy in Norbit and has recently wrote a book uh, entitled A Funny Thing Happened to Me on the Way to the White House. I knocked on the door and a brother answered. Ladies and gentlemen, please give it up for the one, the only Michael Collier, y'all. Mr. Collier, how you doing? Man, you got a big crowd there,
0: man. <laughs> Wow! I didn't know all those people were gonna be there. Wow. <laughs> well, let me first thank you for inviting me on the show. I appreciate that very much. Yay! Yeah. Uh, I, I do want to give you a correction on the book. It's called "A Funny Thing Happened on the Way to the White House." Okay. I knocked on the door, and a brother answered.
1: Okay. Now, where can pe- where can people get this book at?
0: Well, mostly right now they guys go through my email. They can com- they get go to Comic King one two three at AOL dot com and order up. Okay. Cool. There's also a web page they can go and look at people with and see little things about it. And that's called Michael Callier's A Funny Thing Happened. If you go to Facebook on that you'll see pictures of other folks with the book and copies of what the book looks like and, you know, people having things to say about my president who's just amazing.
1: Okay. Cool. Well thanks man. Now uh Thank you. What made you decide to write a book? Well, you know, I love the
0: president. You know, it was inspired. It almost wrote itself. You know, we have the greatest president, I think, probably in the history of this country. And I'm not saying that just because he's black, although I do love him just because he's black. (laughs) But I'm not saying that just because he's black. I'm saying that because of all the things he's done for this country. He's done more than any president uh, has done in the amount of time that he's been in office. And I challenge anyone... Who doubts me? To just go on the internet and put in three simple words, President Obama's accomplishments, and you will see all the wonderful things he's done and he's doing, and he's doing it with dignity and character and class. And he don't walk around with his pants hanging off his behind and his <laughs> up. And he ain't mad at nobody. So he's more than just a president. You know, he's a he's a very positive role model. For black people and anyone who feel like they're in a situation that could be impossible and who, who thinks they may not be able to make it, but they can if they just keep doing the work and keep going forward and keep faith and stay focused. So he's this awesome, awesome man, and I just, you know, I want to be part of this history. And that's why I wrote the book.
1: What? Oh, okay. And I totally agree with everything you just said. Uh, yeah. Now, at what age? Did you know you wanted to be an entertainer or a comedian?
0: Like about six or seven.
1: Wow.
0: You know, I mean, I was always running away from home. And I would always think I was running away to Hollywood. So I'd always go west, you know. But I never got (laughs) further than the west side of Chicago. Because I didn't realize it was (laughs) 3,000 miles away. I just thought if I walked a little while west, I'd be in Hollywood. My (laughs) father would send my big brother to come get me. And he'd just say, just go west. On 43rd Street, sooner or later, you'll catch up with it. <laughs> you want me to go in another
1: room on the interview? Okay. Uh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No problem. No problem. Now, you did eventually end up out west. You did eventually end up at uh, in Venice Beach. Um, yeah. Go ahead.
0: Yep. I am. Yeah. Now, go ahead. I'm just saying yeah. yes. Okay. That's true. I. He
1: ended up doing comedy on Venice Beach for nine years. Yeah. Now, now, uh, there's a couple of different reports, and we'll go ahead and just put this one to rest. Five shows a day on Venice Beach. Was that every day or just weekends? Oh, just weekends. Every Saturday
0: and Sunday.
1: Okay. Now, you would just go down, get in your spot, and just start your routine?
0: That's it. Well, I wouldn't start the routine until I had some people to do the routine for, you know, yeah. but it, it's on the boardwalk of, of Venice, and I would, you know, set up my my set. You know, I mean, it wasn't long before it was clear to people that I was out there. So right. folks would always know what time to come to see me, you know, but I would always go noon until five every Saturday and Sunday, oh, you know, wow. and uh, it really turned into noon until six because I'd have a five o'clock show. And I would just set up on my spot, and on top of the hour, I'd start my show. And I'd do 40 minutes of comedy, 20 minutes of getting my money. And it was just <laughs> beautiful, you know, because, you know, people would surround me. You know, you have to keep in mind on Dennis Beach is anywhere from 300,000 to 500,000 people walking on every Saturday and Sunday. Wow. All year round. Just walking up and down that boardwalk. You know, all I need to get is a couple of hundred. Just stand around me and let me work and I can make my living. You know. So I like I said, I made a real good living from eighty six to ninety five out there on Venice Beach. Oh you know? And, yeah. And and it was so brilliant because everybody was represented. So there was old people and young people and black, white, Asian, Hispanic, gay, uh Foreign of every type. I mean anything you can think of person was on that beach, man And most of them made their way to my show, you know And even people who couldn't understand the language could understand the movement, you know, it's funny We were talking earlier you and I and you were telling me something about how you told your son to watch me uh, Doing comedy and then cut the sound down and just watch what I'm doing You know, the movement. And so it was people who couldn't understand English who would come and stay for the whole show and pay at the end because they were entertained, although they didn't understand the words, you know. So it was a great training ground for me. It trained me in things like improv, you know, because you never know when somebody from that crowd is going to be part of the show and I got to stop and deal with them in a funny (laughs) way and then get right back to where I left off, you know. Otherwise, you lose your audience and you don't want to lose your audience because... You need them to pay. Yeah. They're not gonna pay if they're walking away. You know, so I learned how to do that. How to be quick on my feet. How to improvise. You know, how to how to make funny out of almost any situation. And I just it was a real it was a real breeding ground, uh, training ground for me. And I think it defined me as a human being. Oh. in those nine years on kind of speech?
1: Now, now, did you have a different show every hour? I mean, how often do you write? No, no, I would do the same show. Okay.
0: Yeah, I would do the same show, you know, because it's a different audience each time.
1: Okay.
0: You know, and I mean, of course, I would come down and bring different jokes, but I had basic routines, and I would do the same routines because I didn't have to count on people watching the show more than one. Like I said, the show would only be three to four, maybe 500 people, you know, sometimes as small as 100 people, but remember, I'm dealing with 300,000 people. Right. So I don't care if somebody walked up who heard the show And they know the joke they keep on walking because somebody else will stand in that spot for them and feel that space Mm -hmm. so i always say back-to-back crowd you know it's funny just like i play now in uh vegas and i do the improv at harris and when i go i don't never have to worry about material because the audience is never the same audience twice They're they're there to to gamble. They're there to be at the slot machines. They just step into the comedy club for a little bit to get the rest from gambling before they go back. So it's not like they live in Vegas and they're going to keep coming to my show. These people from all over the country who are in Vegas. So they drop in the show. So I never have the same audience twice. So that's how it was in Venice. I never really had the same audience twice until I got out there and got good. And then folks would come (laughs) because they would be there for the spontaneity. You know, they want to see who I was going to go off on, or who I was going to talk about, or who I was going to make fun with. Uh, you know, and so many people who've come again and again. So many people who come every week. So many people who, anytime they came, they had uh, friends who would come in from out of town, they would make a point of bringing them to Venice to see what I do. You know?
1: Yes.
0: Now, so it was an immense blessing.
1: See, and you got so good at. at, at uh, performing there, and you became so famous from performing there. Your handprint, your shoes, and your money grabber was placed in cement uh, at the New Venice Boardwalk. Yeah, is, is that but, one of the greatest honors you've ever had? No, not even close. But really? it was a good honor. Oh it was wow! Good, it was a good honor. No, no, I've
0: had some really great things happen in my life you know um and and but that was a really nice honor you know but you know i you know i meet like i've met amazing people you know you mentioned dick gregory earlier you know i i get to sit and talk to people like dick gregory now that's an immense honor you know what i'm saying um i'm in love with a woman who is the most amazing human (laughs) i've ever met that's an immense honor you Mm -hmm. know uh, things that God does for me, He does so much stuff for me. Those are the type of things that, that's honored. But I am very grateful for that. It's a, it's a, really, it is a big honor. But I don't think it's the greatest. I don't think it's the greatest honor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: All right.
0: But, now, oh, go go ahead. I'll let you finish. Well, i mean just... since you're on the topic of the Venice, we're going back out to Venice Beach in November, and I'm shooting a one-hour special on the spot where I started on Venice Beach. It's called the king of Venice Beach. And it's gonna be off the chain. It's gonna be bananas. I wanna have a special shot right there where I started with the same people. You know, some of the same people still out there that was out there when I was out there. Oh, you know, wow. some of, the, some of the, 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 the the bums, if that's what they wanna call them, the homeless people, whatever, that was living out there that I was feeding, that I was giving money for the cocktails, some of them still there, man. Wow. And I bet you they'll be at the show.
1: Oh, I bet. I bet. Yeah. See, yeah. The and then you uh auditioned for Star Search and won and you donated Well, I got on
0: Star okay. Search and I won, but I didn't I had auditions before oh. like three times. And I never I never got on by auditioning. You oh. know, I lucked up one day and was performing once again at the improv. This time I was at the improv in Hollywood, the first one I ever worked, the one on Melrose and I was auditioning for a TV show. At the time, Pat Sajak actually had a late-night talk show.
1: Okay, I remember that. I remember that. You
0: you, you remember that? He had a show for about four months. (laughs) Yeah. he, He had a talk show, and I auditioned for him, and I did a fantastically clean show that I thought was really funny. He didn't like it at all, but the producer of Star Search just happened to be in the room. And he came out and asked me, did I want to be on Star Search? And I said, man, I already auditioned three times. He said, dude, you want to be on the show or not? That was Mr. Sam Riddle. (laughs) And and I said, heck yeah. And he said, you on the show. And like that, I was on the show. And I, 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 I illustrate that. I point that out to illustrate that a lot of things we get in our lives because people are kind to us. The people are nice to us. You know, a lot of times people walk around thinking when they've done something, they did it on their own. But most great things happen because other people help us, you know. And that was Sam Riddle because, like I said, I auditioned three times for his casting people. They turned me down each time. Sam Riddle had the eye to see that I could do it and win. And I didn't have to do no more audition. He said, man, you on the show, you know. And that, that kind of stuff has helped me again and again throughout my life. So many people and their kindnesses. Have taken me to where I am. You know, it's not just my, you know, it's good old God and all of these wonderful people that He sent into my life to help me.
1: See, and and on that topic, I just want to say thank you for doing this podcast because you didn't have to. And I reach out to you, and I was shocked when all you told me, "Hey, hit me back on." My email, and I'll get with you. And and I am so glad and grateful that you did. so um, oh, thank you. I'm
0: glad
1: you. Yeah. Now um, you donated half your winnings uh, to the to the homeless shelters in the Los Angeles area from your Star Search uh, from winning Star Search. Um, well
0: for winning the grand prize. Yeah, yeah for more than a hundred thousand. I, I donated half to the homeless. And I'm trying to get that money. I'm trying to get that money back. Um, <laughs> I found a, them homeless to be shopping. They got shopping carts and bags <laughs> and stuff. No. I'm just playing, I just don't want any of your listeners to say no mess about this. I'm just joking. I just And actually people wrote in. Well if you yeah.
1: people, I'm still here. Go ahead. You can hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Great. No, no. I was just saying, I, that's why
0: I just wanted to clarify I was joking when I said, I'm trying to get the money back. I'm not See, trying to get the money back. I've gotten it back 10 times over from the blessings of others who witnessed what I did, you know? Uh, but if, if you're giving something because you expect something back, it's not a gift then. Then it's a bargain. When you give something to somebody, you got to give it and not expect that back, you know? And and uh, i tell you something else. If you really want to have a good life, learn to give stuff away. If you give all to all, you'll have so much Wow. Just give, 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 give until it
1: hurts. And watch what happens. Okay. Greater. Yeah. Yeah. Oh man. Now, um, see and you did and you did that not for the publicity or or the recognition. That was just that was just you being you
0: i mean you know? honestly i wasn't something i planned you know ed mcmahon was the host of the ship the time and he asked me once i made it to the finals before i came back from finals i was at semi-finals and he asked me on camera microphone open in front of the world <laughs> what, what would you do if you had a hundred thousand dollars and I was thinking, shoot, I don't need no $100,000, although today I would never say that, but <laughs> I was thinking, I don't need no 100000 I didn't have no money then. So mm-hmm. if I had $50,000, that would be a lot of money. So what would it kill me to give the other 50 to the homeless, to people who really need it, you know? And right. I didn't sit and think it out. Just off the top of my head, I was like, shoot, I'd give half to the homeless. You know, I used to always try to do my homeless program anyway. When I would go to Dennis
1: did, when you go to Venice Beach,
0: yeah, when I was when I would perform on Venice Beach, yeah, each morning I would start by buying ten meals, and, and they only cost ninety-nine. You ain't get no meat, but you got <laughs> you got eggs, you got uh, hash brown potatoes, some toast, some jelly, and for somebody who's sleeping on the park bench, that's a meal, right? You know, so so I would get ten of those, cost me ten bucks. And I'd walk down Venice Beach each morning and hand out 10 meals to the first 10 homeless people or the first 10.
1: <coughs> wow.
0: Don't go
1: away. Oh, I won't. In
0: the seat. Hold up. I'm still with
1: you. Okay. <laughs> you hear me? Yes, I can hear you great.
0: Yeah. So for the first 10 homeless people I would see, I would you know give them a meal. So I was already sort of doing my homeless program and this was before they even had comic relief
1: uh-huh. you know yeah. yeah
0: and so then uh so then when i won hundred thousand, no know, matter fact they were already doing comic relief i have to take that back because they were doing comic relief when i won that money and when i won that money and gave half to the homeless then hbo came out to see what i was out there doing because uh-huh. because i gave that money away that was a big deal to the media. So they wrote about it, gave me a full page of People Magazine, all this stuff. Because, you know, what I had done, because I was living in a little one-room apartment, you know, I was, and, and and you know I had a whole lot of money. So to give 50,000 of my winnings to other people, that was a big deal. So the media talked about it. So HBO came around and they came to watch me on the beach and they gave me my special. And they asked me, well, what would you want? And I said, well, I want to do the special and I want to do Comic Relief. So I actually got a chance to be on the fifth season of Comic Relief, and I had, and all I did was go into the audience with a big old bag and collect money for the homeless. You know, and Comic Relief sold some cool stuff.
1: Right now, see, I uh, the first time I saw you was your HBO special. Um, I can vaguely remember I, I went in YouTube, the Star Search uh, stuff but it was the HBO special and I was just hypnotized that you were just like walking in circles I mean people just surrounded you and I was like wow and I was just in awe of of the performance there was no cursing Uh, you you did the bit with the uh, they call me colored but when he gets mad He's red, and and you right. did that that whole bit, and I was just that inspired me so much uh, to actually well, yeah. try to get to do stand up. So I just want to say thanks, man. Thank you a lot but, for so, that. You say so your wife, your wife beat that out of you though. <laughs> <laughs> uh, pretty much. <laughs> you need to get a job. You need to start. You need working. a real job. Yeah. Hey, do you um, do you think colleges? have become too PC as far as what a comedian can know. say or I don't? I don't know. That's
0: that's a question from from somebody who's PC, actually. Um, <laughs> you know, because that's a common conversation now right. about college being PC, and they, they may be. They probably are. You know, I mean, everyone is a little more touchy about what you can say and what you can't say. But comedy really is about finding the funny in everything. You know? You 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 can't limit what's funny. You gotta be able to laugh at all of it. But if you laugh at yourself too, then no one should have a problem with you laughing at others. That's what a strong comic always does, self-deprecating humor first. To sets you up by making you realize that he's just a human and a flawed individual like everybody else. Okay. He just happens to have a different job than you. So he's not a plumber or the mailman. He's just a guy who crafts and delivers humor. That's all. he ain't better than you, you know, different. We're all the same, man. At the end of the day, everybody wants somebody to love them, man. Everybody wants a good meal. Everybody wants a good night's sleep. Everybody wants not to be worried. You know, everybody wants family, and even the people who don't know it, everybody wants God. Even the people who claim, they don't. They see him in some other form. They either see that he doesn't exist until they're in trouble, And so they're about to bat they scream, oh, God. Or or they see him as as, as he is here. And some people don't see him as a thing they call God. Some people see him as nature. Some people see him as the flowers and the trees. Some people see him as their form of happiness. But God don't care what you call him. He don't care how you see him. You know? He's going to still be there no matter who we are or how we behave. Because God is just pure beam of light. That's eternal and always And he's here for our good. And he's always inspiring for our good to try to make our lives better than it is. And that's always there, but all of us want that. A couple of us want happiness. And that's where happiness resides, is in the center of your heart. And you can't get closer to God than the center of your heart because that's where God resides. So we all basically want the same thing. We just go about it differently, you know? And there are people who name their different gods. Some some people think it's Buddha, uh, Allah, uh, Yahweh, Yahoo, Bob, but really the bottom line is there are a million paths to, to the one. And when you get to the end of the road, it's probably going to just be you the whole time.
1: Mm-hmm. It was
0: just you from the very beginning and at various aspects of yourself, you know? So yeah, so we just all want the same thing. So when I do comedy, I do my comedy in such a way that you understand that I'm just having fun and I'm talking about things and observing things that are funny to me. So A lot of times I am not politically correct, you know, (laughs) but I don't think it makes me wrong. I just think that's my way of doing it. You know, I'm I'm an addict, uh, you know, and I crack with my drug of choice. I prefer to smoke my drink, you know, (laughs) and I'm an addict. And in in all the addict programs, all the, the anonymous programs, the first thing they ask you to do is to find a God of your choosing. And it, it, there's something very powerful and magical about that, you know, because first by saying find a God, the person is saying that is making it clear that there is a God, at least in, in, in their view, there right. is a God. There is something that's greater than us that created everything from nothingness. In the program, you are supposed to find a God and a God of your choosing. So they don't say you have to find my God. You do not have to be no Christian. You don't have to be no Buddhist, you know, no Muslim. You're to be any particular thing. But you gotta find that thing that's greater than you. Because right. that means that you understand that there's something greater than you. You know, that you aren't God, that you are not the being that created all this loveliness and greatness that's all around you. You're just part of that living experience. And and I just find that to be powerful and beautiful and wonderful, and I think God digs it too.
1: Oh man, I, I totally agree with you. In fact, I was listening to um Ray Lewis the other day and okay. uh he was talking. He said he didn't care what God you, you know, believe in or pray to or uh, anything. He says, "But uh but read the Bible." And he said mm-hmm. he said uh and do you know what the Bible is? And he used, uh, he said, it's basic instruments before, or basic instructions before leaving earth, Bible. And if you think of it in that way, that is exactly wow. what it is. Basic That's instructions before leaving earth. That's you know, interesting. Uh, you know, honor thy mother and father. Yeah, I mean, just, just basic instructions. Yeah, basic instructions before leaving earth. That, I love the Bible. That it's it, it resonated with me. I shared it with my daughter. Um yeah, yeah, so I, I can totally understand uh everything that you're saying now. Uh now you did voiceover work on the Clevelands and you on were the, Cleveland show. Yeah, on yeah. the Cleveland show, I'm sorry. And uh you were the frog on the princess and the frog.
0: I was not the frog. The but king. I was, it, the king. I was in the movie The Princess and the Frog. Everybody wants to give me credit for being the frog. If I was the frog, I would have bought a new house. <laughs> but no, I was not the frog. I was Buford. I was the bald-headed cook at okay. the restaurant. Did you see the movie?
1: Uh, no, I did not. I not Let me tell I'm not going to lie man. to
0: you. It is an awesome movie, and all black people should see it. Okay. It's an awesome movie. Plus... It's historical. And that is the first time that Disney did a feature-length black animated movie. Right. That alone should make all black people want to see it. Just yeah. to support that entire black cast. of like Noni Rose and Oprah Winfrey and all these wonderful artists that were going... And then, it's a fabulous story. It's a great story with awesome music.
1: So yeah,
0: if you got a chance to see that movie, you should see that movie, bro.
1: Okay, I, I will get... Guarantee you, I will see it before Saturday. I will go wow. buy it. You I call will me buy after it. You
0: see it. Call me after you've seen it.
1: Okay. All right. Okay. Okay. Right. I definitely if you will. you don't
0: call me and say you've seen it, then I'm going to get on the social media and blast <laughs> you out and tell
1: a story. See, now we're going to talk about your social media addiction later. Okay? <laughs> because uh, I call you Mr. Periscope. Okay. Uh, I
0: don't get on that much. The people that get on my friend Naisha. She's on there all the time. Rodney Perry, all oh. the time. Rope Martin. Uh, Tashina won't get off the damn thing. I can <laughs> on there. Uh, I, I want to get on there more,
1: but I don't have enough time. You See, know, I love Periscope. You and Rodney Perry did a show together. I believe. Uh, yeah. we got many shows together. What, uh, we did? It was like in the islands a couple of weeks ago, oh, maybe? Yeah, we did St.
0: Thomas together a, a month or so ago, yeah. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Half your show was on Periscope thanks to Rodney. Okay? <laughs> oh, no, he said Rodney
0: told me that. He said he Periscoped a lot of it. Yeah. Rodney's a mess. Yeah. He's from, he's from my hometown of Chicago. Very okay. funny young man. Very nice. Yeah, yeah.
1: He told me he would do my uh, podcast as well. We just haven't uh, worked out all the details yet. But, yeah, I, I, I watch his periscoping as well. And I'm sitting there watching him periscope. And he's periscoping you up on stage. And I'm going, was oh, I my God. Was I any good, though? Was I any good? Oh, yes. Yes. Okay. Yes, okay. yes. Yeah. Hope it
0: didn't you on a bad night. Okay.
1: <laughs> do good, good. you like uh, voice voiceover acting or or regular acting? Which one do you like better, doing the voices or? Um, I
0: I, don't know, I like I like them both. I like them both a lot. You know, um, you know, acting in film and television is magical for me. That's probably my favorite form of entertainment. Comedy is what I'm strongest at. So I'll just I'll just stand up comedy the rest of my life, no matter what else I do. I don't know how long I'll be able to act but I can probably act as long as I'm alive too. So yeah, I love them. Voice over work I love too. I think I love them equally. You know, they're all very great, you know. Um, doing The Princess and the Frog was an amazing experience because I get to work at Disney, you know, and Disney's animation studio is just a thing to behold. I mean, Disney, man, Disney's the king when it came to this cartooning. I mean, yeah. I don't know if you know about Disney. Disney was the man. You know, oh, yeah. and Disney is the first one who did a feature length uh cartoon. No one had ever done uh, one before he did it in 1930s That
1: was Mickey Mouse's musical. I can't think of it.
0: That's right. That's right. Yes. It was called Tugboat Willie. Okay. Okay. And, and, and that's the, well Tugboat Willie wasn't the worst name. Tugboat Willie was not the feature length one. Uh the one with the mouse on the boat. His feature length one was... um, um,
1: I can't think of it.
0: Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. Okay. That was his very first feature length. Before that, you know, cartoons were always short. Yeah. You know, cartoons were, you know, three minutes, five minutes, seven minutes, you know. But he did the first feature length one. It took him three years and 200 people working every day and overtime to pull it off. And everybody thought it was going to fail. But he was—he's a, he's a Walt Disney was a beast, man. So to, to go to the Disney Studio, man, and to walk through their halls and look at these original drawings on the walls, you know, frames on the walls, the original cartoons, and and just to be in that energy was exciting, you know. And then to get in the booth and work on that level—and it's so deep because my newest, hottest venture out right now is also shot at Disney Studio, which is uh, blackish. Because
1: yes. Blackish is, is shot on
0: ABC and ABC is on that Disney, shot
1: yes. at Disney lot. Yeah, yeah, that's where I was taking this uh, because you just recently played Reverend Hubbard uh, on Blackish. Uh, yeah. That is going to be aired later on this year. Or? It'll be out. It'll be out in October, bro. Okay, okay. Yeah, so on the next couple of weeks. Wow. So, yeah, 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 because the new the, the season premieres, what, Wednesday? I think Wednesday, I
0: think. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. And I, I seen that on uh, Periscope. I seen Disney. I seen the trailer you was in with your with your lovely wife on periscope. <laughs> I, be,
0: I be getting my periscoping. That's right.
1: Yeah, and she would do more periscoping, but she's always on yours. <laughs> she be doing more than me. She be on her periscope.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I don't have time. I need to get some people to help me with my social networking because social networking is important, man. If you're doing what I'm doing, right, you know that. I think in a lot of business, it's important, man. Yeah, but in my business, for certain, it's important to get to reach as many people as I possibly can.
1: Right. So so how has social media changed the comedy profession?
0: Well, just like I just said, the more people get their eyeballs on you. You know, the more people who see you, the more people feel like they know you, are going to be the more people who are going to support you. The nice. more people who are going to come out to your concerts. You know, uh, Kevin Hart. He built his empire on social media. Yeah, he's the you know, king he, of it. Yeah, with, also with great comedy and being a wonderful, awesome young man. Right. But on top on top of that, he had a strong social media crew working. He had his team up. He was on his ship, and by the time he would go someplace, man, that place be damn near sold out mm-hmm. because everybody knew he was coming because of social media. Right. Not just the but him texting people and emailing people, and you know getting on those, on those different sites and, and, you know, interacting with people to the point where they feel like they know you. Yeah. And people know you want to support you. They want to help you. They want to lift you up, man.
1: Yeah. Yeah, him and Marlon Wayans was real big. And then Marlon kind off of died off of social when and Kevin just kept going. I mean, he just really took it to another level. I think level. Marlon
0: still has a lot of stuff on social. I don't think he has the kind of numbers... That Kevin Hart has, right. you know what I'm Kevin Hart numbers aren't just from social media. See, it works both ways. Social media got him some numbers, but Kevin Hart worked his ass off and did all these films and all these concerts. And so, all these films and concerts, all those people are paying. Same. So, all those fans are now going to social media. Same. You know what I'm saying? It's so oh, not yeah. like he's just getting these people on social media by going through social media. He's, he's doing concerts. He got you know. He's got twenty million people looking at him at a time on films, right. and then those people go. So he's got twenty million followers on fucking Facebook. <laughs> you know? What I mean? So I mean, it's hard to top that. Um, you know? I, I mean, Marlon Williams is funny, but he's not out there like that. Yeah. You know? It's, it's like you have to be out there. Like I'm funnier than a lot of comedians who are more successful to me than me, but they're out there. See, they're hey. out there with the public see them and they're getting their money and they're getting paid. So, I can't feel the same seats that a Steve Harvey can feel because way more eyes are on Steve Harvey than are on me.
1: Exactly.
0: You know? Exactly. So, but, I'm, but I'm working towards all of that. But don't <laughs> don't worry about me. You don't have to go to sleep tonight worried worry about Michael Kite. No, I'm working on all
1: that. <laughs> now, the other thing that you mentioned on Periscope and that's one reason why I love Periscope when you're on there is uh you're educational you'll show you know uh buildings but then you'll explain what the building is and and uh you was, <laughs> you was in New York yeah. you were showing the pictures after the show y'all we were all eating and you was and you took us all around wherever you are wherever you are you'll take and and you'll bring other people on you introduce them and and that's amazing and I and I really do love that um And on one, oh, go
0: ahead. I think that's the purpose of Periscope. Yeah, you
1: know, you know know what a Periscope is, right? On the ship, yeah, like a submarine. uh, uh, On the the, the submarine's Periscopes, is that what you're talking about? It's a a, a seeing glass that helps you see things, right? And that's the Periscope supposed to be. It's supposed to be you
0: showing people stuff. That's what I think it is. I don't think it's supposed to be just me talking about me i think about <laughs> me showing you the world right. you know i mean specifically i'm showing you my world because i can't show you nobody else's world i can just show you the stuff i'm doing you know how i act how i meet people the places i go to and why they're important to me right. and so all of it is still a buffet though it's like a buffet if there's something that you can use help yourself Okay. If, if, if you don't see nothing on the buffet, you won't. Don't worry about it. The buffet gonna be there every day. <laughs> but my, my 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 job is just to put it out for to lay the buffet out, let you see the different things. You know, we should know about Hamilton.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: The, the the show I went to on Broadway. Yeah. Uh, I went to go see it Sunday. Yes. We should know about Hamilton. But in that story that I'm doing, it's more than the fact that we should know about Hamilton. Hamilton was one of the forefathers of this country, and him, <clears throat> Aaron, uh, Aaron Burr, um, Thomas Jefferson, um, uh, 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 who's my guy, um, definitely George Washington. All these guys who started the country, you know, the forefathers, and what went down is an important story for us to know. A story we all have to know at first. Yeah. All of us had to know about that. All of us had to know about the duel between Aaron Burr and Alexander Hamilton. But do we know what the reasoning behind it was? Mm. Very few people do. Say. Very few people know that America was started because we was trying to get away from England. Yeah, yeah. Very few people today, I'm, our kids today don't even know that shit. That's you know, true. meanwhile, our society is is screaming about immigrants. Watch the immigrants. Don't let the immigrants in. Everybody in America is an immigrant, <laughs> except except the American Indians. Yeah. All of us escape, escape another country and come for a better life. So who the hell are we to now turn around and tell other people you can't come in unless you follow our rules or you've lived here a certain amount of time, or you do this or you do that? This country was built on immigrants. Immigrants put all of this together. Yeah. and now a handful of very wealthy white people are to tell everybody else that they can't come and go like they want to <laughs> meanwhile the people who are seen the worst in this country are the people who actually are the originators of this country mm-hmm. the American Indians but we get to see a little peek into all of that if we go see Hamilton on Broadway but we're not watching a bunch of white folks play those roles Hamilton is a cast that's full of only blacks and Hispanics and the whole thing is done in hip hop and rap it is off the chain it's bananas it's a hip hop rap opera about the beginning of America with Hamilton starring in it, it is so fly it is so fly but we we need to know about those things and a lot of people in my neighborhood ain't gonna know about that I talk about no Periscope Cause I sat in that room and it was 99.9% white people and old white people. In fact, when I told Kelly is old, she said, yeah, some of them who was around when Hamilton was alive, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> they were old and they were loving the show. Uh-huh. Hip hop and all, loving it. The he- way that story was retold is out of this world. But when I'm on Periscope, I'm not just showing you uh, that I'm going to a show. I'm showing you the determination involved in getting in the show because i'm constantly letting people know that i was getting in that show i made a vow that Sunday i was either going to be in that show or i was going to jail that was all to it so today i would need to be able to tell you a story about the show i'd be able to tell you about my jail experience (laughs) because i was going to that show i was getting in that show and the show sold out for a year they sold 30 million dollars worth of tickets before they opened the door the tree sold 30 million dollars worth Okay, a year in advance, it sold out. So before I even went to New York, everybody said to me, no, man, you ain't gonna get in there, man, it sold out. Man, I don't even think like that. I put God in there, partner. I mm. put a prayer on it and I marched forward, you know? And I know something's gonna happen cause something's gotta give, you know? Wow. And, I, and I made it, it was a hell of a, it was a hell of a trial to get in because let me tell you, there's several ways to get in the play. You can go ahead and buy the ticket. You can buy them at the box office, you can buy them at the established uh places to sell tickets like ticketron or you can buy them from the hacker who's outside yeah there's always a hacker outside okay (laughs) the hacker outside wants to sell me the ticket the ticket that i end up spending 167 for that hacker wants to sell me that ticket for 300 i said no thank you i'm gonna get in tomorrow and i'm not gonna pay no 300 for no ticket. He said, man, some people pay as much as $1,000. I said, yeah, but none of those people named was Michael Kaya. I guarantee you (laughs) that. That's the one thing I can guarantee. Okay? So that ain't going to happen. I'll come back because there's other ways of getting in. First of all, before each show on Broadway with the major theaters, they have a lottery. Now, the way the lottery works is two hours before the show, they draw names. 30 minutes before that, you put your name in a basket. So anybody who wants to be in a lottery, put their full name and a piece of paper in the basket. Two hours of the show, they pull out the name, and 21 people get to buy their ticket, front row, for $10. Oh, wow. Okay, so about 300 people show up. And we all stand around, and they pull your name out. If they pull your name out, you get a choice. One, you win one or two tickets, that's up to you if you win the lotto. So when you win, they see it just like it's a lottery. A person then get called out, everybody cheer for them. They, you want one ticket or two, I'm taking two. You yeah. know, until I get down, to so 21 ticket. That's 10 bucks. Okay, because the average ticket starts at 87, and that's not a good seat. Then the better seat, are 167, and then the, the best seats are 443. Wow. Okay, that's, this, that's this, this particular theater, this particular show. Right. Every theater is differently, but generally, a really good seat is about $130 on Broadway. For a really good seats and the very best seats are usually three to four hundred dollars. Okay, but if you got a hundred thirty dollars seat, you sit in a damn good seat. Okay. It don't need to be much better than that, unless they let you sit on the stage and say a couple lines. Okay. Now, after they give away the twenty-one front row seats, then there's always about eight standing room only seats. That means for forty dollars, you can buy a, seat, a ticket and you stand in the back of the room. Now, three hours is a long damn time to stand up, but there's people that do it. Okay, those are two of the options, and then the third option is there's a cancellation line. When you line up, and then at the last ten minutes before the show, they will sell you tickets that's been canceled. Generally, one or two people, sometimes five or six people, will cancel. You know, yeah. and, and when they cancel, those tickets are still at the box office. They still got the seats. You can buy them at the price of the ticket because they canceled them. Okay. So when I went Thursday, I stood in the cancellation line, but I was seventh in line. There, there was only three cancellations, so I didn't get in Thursday. I hadn't planned on Thursday. That would have been icing on the cake. <laughs> so when I came back to Sunday, I did the same thing. But this time Sunday, I got in line. I was first in line to put my name in for the lottery. Okay? I didn't win a lot, the lottery. Then uh, I waited for the standing room only. I didn't get standing room only. But I asked still, before anything began, what do I need to do to get in line for the cancellation? I'm the first person there, brother. I mean, the very first. I was there at 1030. They don't open the box office till 12. I wow. was there for the people to work there. <laughs> so how do I get in line for the case of one of the guys working and say, well, I don't really know how you do that, you know? So after I got through not getting the other tickets, I go get in the cancellation line. It's six people in the cancellation line. I said, hold up, this is not fair." These six white people standing in the line. I came and asked you to right way. You would tell me you don't know nothing about it. Now I got to be number seven again and the cancel- That ain't fair. So I walked over to ask for the manager of the box office. And I told him my story. I came Thursday. I waited in the cancellation line. I didn't get a ticket. I came back. I waited in line to Lotto. I waited in line to stand up. And then they told me they didn't know nothing about the cancellation line. Now I come to the cancellation line. I got here before y'all got here. And now there's six people in front of me. That's not fair. And the guy said, you know what, sir? You look like an honest man to me. I'm going to sell you this ticket. And gave me my ticket, man. And wow. I mean, my ticket was fantastic. <laughs> I was like in the middle of the room, maybe 12 hours from the stage. It was absolutely perfect. But when I'm doing my Periscope, I'm trying to teach you this. I'm trying to teach people that you don't take a note for an answer. A note is always just a maybe. When I'm doing a project, or if I want to get on a project, or if I want to do a show, and I go to people and I say, can, I, can y'all do this, and they say no, that don't mean I can't do it. That mm. doesn't mean I can't do it with them, okay? <laughs> I then go about figuring out a way to do it for my damn self. So when I go to get a ticket, I'm going to get a ticket. When well, they tell me when the president went and saw the show and loved it, when Samuel Jackson saw the show and loved it, when Alicia Key saw the show and loved it, and all I knew is it was about Hamilton, and then it was written by the guy who did In the Heights. In the Heights was off the chain two years ago. It was the best musical on Broadway. This Mexican dude wrote. And we, I, he wrote this. I knew I was getting in, brother. Okay. You never know what's going to happen. Sometimes you show up and somebody say, man, we bought 11 tickets and one of our people didn't show up. Would you like to buy this ticket? That's how I got in the color. Hmm. And they said it was sold out. and guess me, I know. Mean? Will you buy this ticket? It costs cost, uh $68, $67, of course, he sold me for 75 but I'm off the ticket, you know, so you don't ever know what's going to happen, but if you focus on a thing, you put God in there, and you go and you never give up your faith, then just like my president, you will win, my friend. Even though you'll be surrounded by people who hate you, who want to cut your throat, and watch you drown in your own blood, you ignore them. You keep your eyes forward and straight and clear, you keep God first, you stay on your mission. And it's gonna work, brother. No, it's gonna right. work, and that's what I use a periscope for. Okay. So I'm showing some New York. I'm showing New York people Broadway, so you see what Broadway is up close and personal. So you get out your house and go to Broadway. Right. There's a lot of people who've never in the state neighborhood, man. There's
1: oh, a lot I know. Of people who've
0: never been downtown in their own city. Mm-hmm. Never been there. Yeah. You know. Oh yeah. I want to. Sh- I want to show them how to get there, man. See. I want to show them how to. Get- how to get everywhere.
1: Now you're the yeah. you're the second person that uh, has talked about that Broadway show that I know uh. Uh Marissa, the lady on um Law and Order S V U. Oh,
0: Marissa Heart yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. She went and saw it. All she had was praise for it. It's amazing. Uh, yeah.
0: You can't, quit, you can't quit talking about it if you see it. Because you ain't never
1: seen nothing like this. See that's what. Don't, yeah. work. Yeah. No
0: one has ever seen anything
1: like this in their life. See. Ever. Now, ever. We're, we're, we're almost out of time, so let's talk about something that no one... <laughs> Nigga,
0: I ain't out of time. You're <laughs> almost out of time. I'm sorry, go ahead. What were you
1: saying? Uh, let's talk about something else <laughs> that no one's ever seen, okay? Okay. Mi casa, mi casa. Okay? I seen a little bit on Periscope when your wife was uh, shooting it. This is a Brand new. It's in pre-production right now, correct? Right. It's in pre-production. It's actually
0: in production. Production. It's in production because we've already shot three episodes. Right. So what they're doing now is they're editing it, again, and now they're in the process of trying to sell it to a network.
1: Okay. And what this yeah. what this is is Michael Collier is uh, a uh, bus driver. This is he is the star of My Casa, My Casa. Okay? Let, me,
0: let me do it because you messed you mess it all up. Oh you my God. It. It's Mi Casa, Mi Casa.
1: Mi Casa, Mi, mi a, Casa.
0: Which is a play on the words Mi Casa, Su Casa. Which is a Spanish saying for my house is your house. But my house is my house. So it's <laughs> Mi Casa, Mi Casa. And it's sort of like to me like all in the family. It's a situation comedy about a family. It's my family, and my daughter marries a Mexican. And knowing <gasps> that she marry him, they move into my house. So I get to lay down the rules as to what <laughs> can and cannot happen up in my house, you know? And I'm always on his case. I never call him by his name, you know? Uh, I'm calling Juan, Paco, Tico, Paco, <laughs> anything but his name. I'm just giving him a rash and a mess. And then I have a wonderful wife, uh, uh, I play by Don Zale. Don Zale Abernathy is actually Ralph Abernathy, the the, the uh, civil rights leader. It's his youngest daughter, and she's brilliant. Okay. brilliant, brilliant. She's never been in a comedy before. She's only done drama, and she's magnificent. I have a gorgeous young lady playing my daughter who can act her butt off, and a little Mexican guy playing her husband is fantastic, too. And then I got a woman playing uh, my wife's sister we always fight you know I mean every time she comes, I mean, she pull a knife on me once she pull a hammer on me and it's just this guy is just just like I say like an honor family he's a father who's dug in you know it's his house it's how they run it's how life is you know he sees things in a narrow way and it's just funny it's hilarious you know uh, greatly directed shot really well and I think it's gonna not only sell it's gonna be a big hit and it's called Mikasa, Mikasa
1: see Mikasa, casa, mi casa. Yeah. Uh, I yep uh, see see and now I just proved him right when somebody says no you did it wrong they just said you did it wrong that time okay that's right uh, so I came back and I got it right uh, there now, you go
0: know, you got it right hold yeah. up well, you know we got to talk about my project in Chicago okay and know, I is? am doing a film short called a funny thing, I mean called uh the soundtrack of my life. The soundtrack of my life is a animated twenty minute music film short that's gonna tell the story about where we come from, it's gonna remind us of our heritage, and it's gonna ask people to put the guns down. I'm putting it together to try to turn around like violence in Chicago. Okay. You know, I mean just in Labor Day alone, they shot 54 people and killed 14. That's nothing compared to last 4th of July when they shot 90 and killed 17. And every weekend they killed 7, 8, 9, 10 people in Chicago to gunfire. You know, and it's not all gangs. I don't want to put it all on gangs. A lot of it is, but it ain't all gangs. Mm. It's just us being out of control and there's a way for us to turn that around and reclaim our community. So, this music video that I'm putting together was really a film short. I already have music by Twister, The Brat, Brand, uh, not Brandy, uh, Dave Hollister, uh, and four other musical artists, and it is being, it's is being—it's gonna be off the tape. It's, it's quick, it's 20 minutes, it tells an awesome story, and not only do we get the people to put the guns down, but every penny that's raised by putting this together, is going to build music studios and music programs in Chicago for inner-city kids. So, I, when I tell them to put the guns down, I not want to say, put the guns down, now you're on your own. I want to say, put the guns down, and come over here, and let me show you a better way. Mm. Maybe I can show, just show young street kids how to be young Jay-Zs, man.
1: Wow. You know what, yeah. man? It's been a pleasure talking to you. I just want to ask you this real quick, because I just remembered it, from, uh, you were talking on Periscope, uh, when Straight Outta Compton came out, you knew... Brilliant. Yeah. Brilliant movie. Yes. You knew them and you were part of that. I mean, uh, and on Periscope, was it Dr. Dre's wedding that you attended? No, it's the
0: opposite. Dr. Dre came to my first wedding. Okay. Him and EZE. Okay. All those, all those guys I sort of come up with. Snoop Dogg was my great friend. I come up with all them guys, man. Them was my people. They're my folks, man. They still they still are friends. You know, they still... They, I mean, I went down on the set and hung out. You know, I probably could have got in the set and on the <laughs> show, but they wasn't using people you know. They was only using unknowns, which I think was smart. Did you see the movie? Yes.
1: Yes, I everybody, did.
0: Everybody could see the movie. Yeah. Black and white. Everybody could see it. Even if you don't like rap. Even if you don't like black people, <laughs> you're going to love. you going to love this movie. Yeah. This yeah. movie yeah. is off the chain. Yeah, yeah, that movie was
1: was really, really good. Uh, Shot well.
0: Great story. Great casting. Awesome music. Beautiful,
1: man. Yeah. And on my next podcast, I'll even tell you if it's better uh, than The Princess and the Frog because I am definitely watching that before Saturday. I'll hold you to it. I am going to... Hey, hey. I am going to call you and you can quiz me on it I will be able to tell you everything about it because I know when it comes to you and social media you don't play and I reason- put you out there
0: I'll put you out there hey did you see my other my documentary called Dark girls uh no oh my god Oprah runs it all the time you can probably pull up on the internet every black person needs to see it wait it's called dark dark girls and it was directed by bill duke
1: wait is this the one about uh the skin color yes 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 i did see that oh Beautiful. man all it, black
0: people yeah 63 billion dollars a year is spent worldwide on bleaching cream Yeah, to make their skin lighter you know yes. our society has taught us to hate ourselves so much not only are we killing each other in the streets we're
1: trying to change
0: the color of our skin, man. Yeah. And it's in the, sad, in, the in the whole wide
1: world. In Japan, they actually um uh sell it as white cream. I mean, oh, yeah. they actually and they, say they, that they sell it from there. yeah. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. that was that was enlightening, educational. If anyone out there has not seen that, that is a must. Uh, Well,
0: before you throw me off your station, let me tell people how they can find me. Okay. Uh, Y'all, if you're trying to get the book, a funny thing happened on the way to the White House, I knocked on the door and a brother answered. Or if you're trying to hire me, because I am hireable. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know, I do weddings, divorces, over hangovers. I do a part in a phone booth (laughs) if you promise to call. I take Green Stamp food Canadian money. I take your bus transfer if it's got some time left on it. You can just email me at King. that's C O M I T. King, K-I-N-G, because I don't know how they had a show called The Kings of Comedy without The Kings. Uh, Comic exactly. Comic King 123 at AOL.com. Comic King 123, AOL.com. On Twitter and Facebook, i Michael Callier, C-O-L-Y-A-R. And on Instagram, I am Michael Callier underscore
1: Callier so you have many opportunities to family I'm even in the yellow pages and they don't sell the yellow pages no more <laughs> and you can get this podcast on iTunes Android yep. SoundCloud Facebook mm-hmm. uh, we will be on I'll be tweeting about this I will be periscoping about this uh, this podcast is a must hear uh, and I am going to get back with you on, uh, and like I said, you can quiz me on the show, uh, your hats that you wear. My hat? Yeah. Oh, man. you Your styling. Uh, oh,
0: man. I just bought two new ones in Detroit last weekend. Man, I love them hats. Now. I need my own hat line, and I need my own clothing line. So if any of your listeners out there who want to help me get my own hat line or clothing line, please reach out to me.
1: 'Cause I'm interested in doing all of that. It 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 on on the guy's behalf, I'm just happy that Periscope only lets you keep a video up for twenty four hours. Uh Mr. Call you roasted this hat guy. Okay? <laughs> he has all there? his Periscopers calling, okay? <laughs> oh yeah, he was so wrong. The guy
0: was so wrong. <laughs> He was but you know what happened though as a result of that he called me the owner called me to apologize
1: oh, see. the owner
0: called me the next day he called twice that day he said people blowing his phone up calling over there and he said it wasn't me I was in the back I'm the owner he said that guy does work here with me He's my partner and he was in the middle of a movie deal but I didn't even know you were out there sir if I would have came out and helped you he said I'm so sorry and then I wrote him a horrible report on the
1: Yelp. But Yelp <laughs> took man back down because they said it was too rough. Oh. They said, no, this sound too personal. <laughs> <laughs> I took this goose. Oh, man. He had all his Periscopers calling. Uh, yeah, action was taken. So, trust me. I'm watching the show. I'm watching the movie. And I cannot wait for Mi me Casa. Me casa. Um, oh,
0: me too. Oh, and man. Blackfish
1: and, yeah. and
0: Rolling Out is a newspaper that's all over the country a paper called Rolling Out you usually see them sitting outside liquor stores they're free, it's a free paper called Rolling Out they just did a new uh, big interview on me that just dropped Sunday okay so if you're in anywhere around you see one of check that out you know, and uh, hey man, just live this life man live it to a bust man you know, God created us this, this world for us and our life so we can live joyfully. we supposed to be joy walking. If you're not happy, you ain't doing something right and you're out of alignment because we're supposed to be happy not sometime or most of the time, but we supposed to be happy all the time. So that's what we should be working towards, joy walking. Happiness of it all the time, give everything to everybody. Love yourself because God created you and he ain't created no junk. In fact, he created you with designer genes. So you might as well embrace this wonderful life we have because it is a gift and a blessing. And everything I have, I get from God. Every single solitary thing because I know not only who I am, but whose I am. I belong to Father God. And even I am alone on this planet. I'm alone. He loaned me to this planet. I'm just here for a few minutes. But while I'm here, I'm going to live it to a bust, my friend. And I'm going to thank God the whole time.
1: Wow. Hey, hey, I can't say no more. Mr. Collier, thank you. Thank you so much for for doing my podcast, man. Yeah. Thank you, my friend. Thanks for being
0: patient. Thanks for inviting me. And I hope your listeners enjoy themselves, and I hope they live their best life ever. Take Uh, care, brother. Take
1: care, man. Thank you, sir. All right. Good night. Good night. That was Michael Collier on the Double E Podcast. And uh, this will be up forever. Thank you, people.